Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, we got massive news this past week. Massive news. Big news. Did we? Break it, break it to me on the pot. Some might even say tall news, very tall news. Chris Young is going to be the new GM of the Texas Rangers, the tallest GM in baseball history, six foot ten. That's going to be tough to beat. That Unless is like be Shaq to wants to become a Major League Baseball GM, <laughs> I think he might hold that forever. That is that a harder record to break than the Lou Gehrig hitting streak? I, you know, he really is quite literally setting the bar. Very high on this He's one. He's head and shoulders above the rest. Head and shoulders above the competition. Yeah. You know what? I think this wow, is probably... Wow, I can hear the sound of people tuning out of the podcast because of those two <laughs> jokes. I think that um, this is probably good. Um, that Major League GMs need to uh, need to be taken down a peg, you know? And having someone who is always in the room who's taller than them is, yeah. I think, probably a net good for the baseball uh, environment. So true. Theo Epstein, he broke two huge curses, but how tall is he? Can he dunk? <laughs> Can he dunk? Ne- who is the, uh, who's the shortest Major League Baseball GM? I'd love to theorize. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I don't think that they have a database for those. You know, you'd be surprised. They have a database for everything these days. Uh, If you type who is the shortest, the autofill on Google for me is who is the shortest person in the world? Who is the shortest NBA player? Who is the shortest president? Who is the shortest rapper? And then who is the shortest man in the world? Do you have have any guesses about who who will be the shortest? I'm going to guess AJ Preller. Ooh. Or maybe like Date. Maybe Date Moore. Who counts in this? Are we talking about president of baseball operations too, or is it only GMs? <laughs> Set the parameters. <laughs> this is the problem when every baseball team names their executives slightly different things. Yeah, and they like promote them one and a half times per year. Right, exactly. Matthew Silverman of the Tampa Bay Rays. That's my that's, answer. That's <laughs> He's not even their GM. He's their president of baseball operations. Their GM is obviously Eric Neander. Much discussed this year in 2020. Mm, yeah, actually, I could see one of them being the shortest. Yeah, it's no, it's no shade. It's no shade. No, I, I, are you kidding? I stand short guy power. I think we need more short. Half guy these teams don't even fucking have GMs right now. The Mets and Phillies don't have a GM. <laughs> the Dodgers technically don't even have a GM. It's just. I am, I, yeah, I'm looking at a list of current, <laughs> this is, yeah, very riveting stuff for our listeners. Uh, I'm just looking at a list of current Major League Baseball general managers and realizing how few of them I actually know. Thad Levine? I think it's Levine. Thad, Thad Levine. That's a guy. Yeah. Before the podcast started, if I gave you $1,000 to name the GM of the Minnesota Twins, I would have loved to hear what you would have guessed. <laughs> I would love that. Oh, I guess uh, current GM of the Cincinnati Reds, um, brother of Nick Kroll. Uh, Nick is is Nick Kroll. <laughs> That's how brothers work. You just change yes, one you letter. You just change, last a, name. change the letter of the last name. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, enough of this stuff. Uh, obviously, we're not going to talk about Chris Young and MLB GM height for the next 45 minutes. We have a fun podcast coming up where we're going to talk to Sean Gibson, great-grandson of Josh Gibson and the executive director of the Josh Gibson Foundation about renaming the MVP award. Alex has a fun segment prepared as well before we get to Sean Gibson. But before we get to all of that great stuff, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Spaisley. And you're listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, it's December. So you know what that means, right? Uh, yeah, my girlfriend has been playing Christmas music for six weeks. <laughs> uh, that, but also everybody is sharing their Spotify wrapped. What did you listen to this year? Can you, can you, ten, can you text it to me? Can you send me your Spotify wrap? Can you tweet it? Yeah, of course. You know, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of emo bands. Gabriella, my, uh, my girlfriend looked at mine and was like, yep, I don't know any of these. Uh, so that's <laughs> wow, cool. Except hipster. for, except for the, on deck. yeah, except for my, uh, top artist listened to, which was, um, can, can you guess? Taylor Swift. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four of my top five songs were Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> That's what happens when your your project for 2020 is ranking every single Taylor Swift song. It means you listen to a lot of her. I adopted that project as well, and I ranked them twice, along with Phoebe, to make sure that we were getting a holistic representation. So if anybody <laughs> is looking to see the Google sheet of that, please DM me. Otherwise, we will move on in this podcast. I have hot takes. I mean, I have a lot of takes. All too well. Obviously, the best song. It's not up for debate. But anyway. No, we're going to be doing a little bit of a Spotify rap for the history of MLB players getting named in rap songs. Yes. Alex has scoured the database on Genius.com, and he has pulled out our favorite selections of baseball players getting named in rap songs. Now, we complain a lot here on Tipping Pitches about how baseball players are not part of the cultural conversation as much as other sports. You know, they're not in, in the pop culture zeitgeist quite as much as NBA players or NFL players or soccer players or whatever it might be. But you're here to prove that wrong. And you know who else is here to prove that wrong? Fucking Action Bronson. <laughs> oh, yes. The the baseball representation in rap that we need. We're just going to go ahead and start this conversation by awarding Action Bronson the Baseball Encyclopedia Award presented by Baseball Reference because he just drops every baseball player that you can think of, who has Action Bronson dropped in a song name? Well, this is according to Genius.com, right? So I am, uh, I'm going to defer to them on their, on their research. I, uh, you know, shout out to them. Um, go check them out for all of your uh, lyrical needs. This is not SpawnCon. Uh, by my count... It's funny that you think that we would need to promote Genius.com as if more right. people know about us than Genius.com. Yes, The first exactly. result, this... if you search for lyrics on Google. <laughs> I'd be like uh, if you search podcast and ours was the first one that came up. <laughs> well, if, uh, if Genius.com is looking for sponsorship opportunities on independent leftist baseball podcasts... DMs are open. <laughs> Action Bronson has name dropped, uh, by my count, twenty seven baseball players. Let's go in. Uh, Who is the best by war? Songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think it's Ricky Henderson. Hey. I think he's probably the best person on this list. Um, what is what? What I enjoy about his lyrical references 
is that he could go for the low hanging fruit. You know, he could say, yeah, I'm that, I'm that Babe Ruth. He could say, I'm that uh, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And he doesn't do that. He, he goes for the deep cuts, you know? We've yeah. got a we've got a Dylan G reference. Hey, I stay you flushing like I'm Dylan G. You ain't gotta open the comic book to figure who the villain be. He is a Mets fan, I'm pretty sure. He is a Mets fan. Yes, he is born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, Yo, Dylan G is is that dude. He is that dude. Wow. I love a Mets I love legend. a point three WAR career starting pitcher. <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously he named rocks, uh, guys like Dokken. Um, we've got, uh, we've got Yogi Berra in here. I like the, uh, Placido Polanco. Nice. That's a remember some guys guy. That is a remember some guys guy. This um, is, this segment is going to be loosely ripping off. Remember some guys. Shout out to David Brock. <laughs> You know, some of them, some of them are creative. He has some creative lines. Yeah. Um, some of them are less creative. Some of them are very blunt. For example, he named up Randy Velarde in a line that goes, "Suck my motherfucking dick." It's the young Randy Velarde, Queens baby. <laughs> Queens baby. <laughs> so you know, young Randy Velarde, known for going around and requesting. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Shout out to Action Bronson. Very nice guy. Um, before we get into you giving out some superlative awards for the all-time greatest references of baseball players and rap songs, I want to ask you first about some specific guys. You know, some some guys. Right. Some of our guys. Some main characters in the history of the podcast. Right. The um TPU, right? The Tipping Pitches Universe. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty good. That works pretty well. Uh, first of all, is there a Mike Trout reference? A notable Mike Trout reference? That's the best player in baseball right now. Any good drops for our man, Mike Trout? Maybe talking about weather. <laughs> Maybe talking about, you know, home run robberies. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I I was actually surprised that there are a couple Mike Trout references. Wow. 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 And they tell me that baseball doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Our our boy ASAP ASAP Rocky. Uh in in the song Air Thing Valid remix. Mm. Obviously. First one he Uh, said he couldn't squeeze the Mike Trout (laughs) reference in the original. (laughs) He said I can hit south of the park. It's cool, you can roll up right here. Kind of kind of boring. No, you know, I'm, no. Good for Mike Trout. That's the peak of his career. He's <laughs> being name dropped by ASAP Rocky. Rocky. What else? Okay. How many other times has Mike Trout been referenced? Uh, one. Hello. Once. Okay. Tony Yayo said, "Godfathers to the head." Godfathers to the head. Baseball bat. Mike Trout's legs. I don't really understand. Like he's saying that he'll hit someone in the legs with a baseball bat as hard as Mike Trout hits a baseball. I think. Oh, okay. So he's kneecapping people with the power of Mike Trout's swing. It's a it's a compact swing in the kneecapping. Should I continue with my list? I want to know. Or wait, are there more Please. Mike Trout ones? No, that's that's all we got, unfortunately. So so hit me with some other questions. Wow, two career references for Mike Trout. That's stunning, stunning yeah. indictment. <laughs> a little a little underwhelming, you know. His um, 
references above replacement are much lower than his uh, than his baseball acumen. The next guy on my list here, it's the guy who sends off every single podcast, Alex Rodriguez. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. He's got to have a bunch. He's got to have a bunch. Yes, we uh, we do have a f- <laughs> we do have a few Alex Rodriguez references. I assume um, they're all to buy- about buying the Mets, and they were all written in the last the last year. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we might have to write our own rap song about Alex Rodriguez. Um, Nobody wants that. No one wants that. <laughs> so, Two Chains actually wrote a song called A Rod. Oh my God. Which may have to be our theme song now. Can we license it? Two Chains, Please, if you're listening. It. Yeah. Exactly. Cut us a deal. Um, Clear the, the sample, uh, Two Chains. <laughs> Uh, he actually opens the song with the line, uh, I'll be riding through the park like I'm A-Rod. Walking, walking through, through the, park the park like I'm A-Rod. Smoking on that strong, that's that steroid. Like trying to A-Rod. kick me out like I'm A-Rod. I used to run the bass like A-Rod. This is amazing. It's so good. I'ma buy me some extra. When I get me a check, I'ma buy me a necklace. When I get me a check, I'ma eat her for breakfast. When I get me a check, Nick got the respect. Got the I earned on my strikes like A Rod. I'm really proud of Two Chains, and I'm really happy for A Rod. Do you think A Rod has heard that song? Probably. I'm sure he has people. There's there is no way that he allows people to name drop him in songs without him first knowing. You know, like I'm sure that A Rod. That nickname is like trademarked. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. <laughs> the thing about this song is it doesn't seem like there's a ton of uh, correlation between the things that they're doing and A Rod. I think it's just the implication that A Rod is really rich. So whatever, whatever Two Chains does, he does it like A Rod. I see. You know? Yeah. You know? Well, walking through the park, A Rod did that. He has a lot of career walks. <laughs> <laughs> Does he? I, yeah, yeah. Do you think that that was a reference to his um, ability to get on his base? walk rate? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Two chains on the next level. Okay. Any other highlights from A Rod before we move on to the rest of the list? No. Uh, partially because I refuse to cite J Cole on this podcast. Oh my god! Wow. You're gonna turn this into a J Cole conversation? <laughs> this is a music podcast now. Uh, We've always made that joke that we were just going to do a music podcast instead of baseball. Because at least in music, you're allowed to enjoy things. Uh, how about any references to to Joe Panic? Mm. Our guy, Joe Panic, ground ball, right side, weak ground ball, Joe Panic. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I'm he flips not... it over to first base. That's two down. <laughs> I'm not seeing anything here, unfortunately. Which is it's surprising. not over yet. He's not anybody could do it. Uh, yeah, that's true. It ain't it ain't over till it's over. So if Eminem wants to drop Joe Panic in his in a song, I I don't know. Hit up Joe Panic. I, we don't really have any control over that. But <laughs> okay, we, we, Kurt Schilling. <laughs> Kurt Schilling. <laughs> Actually, yes. I uh, I really like I really like this one. Um, Sci High the Prince in his song Sidel Young says. If I ever make a million, 
don't wanna lose it all, Kurt Schillings. I got a homie who didn't deserve If I ever make a million, I don't want to lose it all. <laughs> Kurt Schillings. <laughs> Let's go. That's so perfect. Nothing with the blood. No bloody sock references, please. No, absolutely Only not. bankruptcy. <laughs> wow. Sci-Hi the Prince. We should be... Uh, Make Tipping yeah. Pitches a new theme song. Literally, I I only accept rap references that refer to failed business dealings of Major League Baseball players. Me too. I have the same three songs on my <laughs> iPod shuffle. Uh, anything for our man redacted because it's before 45 minute mark of the podcast? <laughs> no. Oh, no. got him. And if, and if anyone name drops him in a song, he's canceled. So unbelievably canceled. Uh Okay, I only have two more. Greatest Ken Griffey Jr. reference, because I'm not even going to ask you if he's been referred to, because obviously he has. So, a couple notes here. So, we do have uh, some some Ken Griffey Jr. references. I really want to implore rappers to get a little more creative, because most of them are just like, I hit it out the park. Insert baseball player, you know? (laughs) Kendrick Lamar. Turn my head around. (laughs) Ken Griffey Jr., (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I would I would respect that. Um, That's Kendrick very Lamar like Little Wayne 2007 chic, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, Kendrick said, I'm just having a little fun. Have some with me. Let's go baseball now. The 94 Ken Griffey. I like which, that. That's pretty which good. Actually kinda, that kind of hits. Kendrick um, Lamar, come on and talk about how baseball needs to become fun again. <laughs> but the more interesting uh, point that I want to bring up is that Ken Griffey Jr. was actually featured on a rap song. Uh, this is back in 2009. He was featured on the song The Way I Swing by Kid Sensation. A topic that he knows a lot about. Yeah, he knows how to swing. S- swinging a bat. And and here's the thing. It's good. I want to get invited onto a, a rap song called The Way I Edit Podcasts. <laughs> Go off. Um... I, I don't know, Bobby. Can you can you play a little a little some of the bars? The Griffey drops. I didn't come alone this time. Can Griffey swing the crowd to one? Yeah, Griffey is a swinger, not a singer, a deaf rhyme bringer, a home run hitter, but I'm not a dope slinger. For those who try to flex, I'm a quick neck ringer. For those who think the rhyme is wiggity whack, I'm a stinger. The G, the R, the I, the F, the F, the E, the Y. See, I'm six three and rough, so why try to stick the number twenty four cooling in the flat? You get cracked with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. One likes the bat. And the other likes the Give Ken Griffey Jr. a Grammy. You know, like, what is, like, is there, in a, like, a sports EGOT, you know? Yeah. Like, all right, you've won MVP, you're in the Hall of Fame, and you've also, you know, starred in a movie and dropped a rap song. Yes. Has anybody done that? That's only Ken Griffey Jr., right? It's quite possible, yeah. I don't know if Ken Griffey Jr. has starred in a movie, though. Right, yeah. Well, we do have some other candidate, right? I mean, if we don't limit it to rap, Bronson Arroyo is a is a is a musician. Yes, Bernie Williams, our boy Barry Zito. True. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr. is in Little Big League. I don't know if I would consider that him starring in the film. He's playing himself. Yeah, I also don't know. If I'd consider that a, a uh, an Oscar worthy movie. <laughs> Did you know that Ken Griffey Jr. is in the music video for the Macklemore and Ryan Lewis song, Downtown? Huh. I need to know more about this, but I'll save that for after the pod. Uh, okay, the, the final person on my list, and then we can really quickly do your superlatives before we bring on Sean Gibson, 
is uh, he's the logo, Alex. It's Ricky Henderson, the coolest baseball player ever. Uh, yeah. So uh, we got we do have a couple. Ricky Henderson mentions. Thank God. Uh, as I as I mentioned, Action Bronson has mentioned him um, in a in a not so interesting way. He just said that you know I'm the Ricky Henderson of rap, which I mean, okay. It, that requires a lot of prior knowledge, but that's okay. Right, it does require, require a lot of prior knowledge. <laughs> that line although, is for a select few people. <laughs> uh, this, um, although this song "Cocoa Butter," the single for it, does feature a photo of Ricky Henderson. Mm. So, feature feature more photos of baseball players on your album covers. Yeah, uh, I, I liked XV's line uh, on his song "UFC," which is. Uh, don't let me eat. I'm Ricky Henderson. I'll steal a plate. Hey, I get it. <laughs> I, get I get it too. I get it. I get it. He steals That's bases. Good. That's pretty good. <laughs> nice work. Any others? No, that's all we got. Okay. I know. We need more Ricky Henderson lines. Yes. Uh, forget unionize the miners. Let's start a petition to... Get more rappers to reference Ricky Henderson. Let's use all of our political and social capital on that. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm here for that. Okay. Present your superlative awards, my friend. I'm right. clearing the floor for you. Yes. Real real quick. Um we can we'll, we'll go down this list and you can give me your give me your cr- quick reacts because you haven't heard any of these and some of them might need some reacts. Okay. Uh we'll start off with the with the rap lyric that actually displays the most Baseball knowledge. Mm. Uh, Action Bronson, a large favorite here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Although, given the fact that he's usually just, I'm, you know, I'm the Andy Pettit of rap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to get him the win. Uh, Wale on his song Legendary said, This, that anti Mark McGuire, it takes patience for power. Oh. Wale said, wow. Sabermetrics revolution. <laughs> While well, I said three true outcomes, please. <laughs> uh, our our most topical is a uh, is R A the rugged man on Tom Thumb. My flow natural, you artificial. Beefed up Barry Bonds at Balco. Whoa! Did you ever think that Balco was going to be Let's dropped? In a, yeah. Balco has been dropped more times than Trevor Bauer. Wow! You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Maybe someone in twenty years, some boring rapper, will drop a reference to Trevor Bauer and Pine Tar. <laughs> we will have fallen so far if we're actually resorting to calling out Trevor Bauer. Really, this songs. segment has just showed me that there's a ton of rappers that I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the the most uh, the one that leaves me with uh, most questions. This is from uh, this is from Cut Calhoun. The line is. Just like a fastball from my nigga Zach Grank. My pants a little baggy and my breath kinda stanky, but my kicks on hit. My cups half filled with my KC fitted to the right on till so I'm First of all, the fact that he managed to rhyme Granky with Stanky That's pretty deserves good. That's a admirable. plaque in the Hall of Fame. That's admirable. But I mostly just want to know what he knows about Zach Granky's breath. Yeah, that feels like he's speaking a little bit out of turn. Like uh, Yeah. We don't need to be putting that out about Zach Cranky. Yeah. What did he ever do? He's a nice guy. Actually, 
yeah, he was a nice guy. Although I could, I could see the breath being a little stinky. Wow. Okay. Say. Wow. Got him. No, no shade. Um, the the most mailed in, or perhaps the the the, the lion with the least research, is as uh, from Jay Z in his song "All Around the World." Oh my god. Where he says, Konnichiwa, ladies, when I'm out in Japan, I'm a Tokyo giant like Ichiro I am. Never played for the Tokyo Giants. Mm-hmm. That's each, that was just not his team. Uh, He's talking about giant lowercase. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Except here it is. Uh, capitalized. Capitalized. Now, I understand um, that saying uh, Konnichiwa, ladies, when I'm out in Japan, I'm a... I'm a Oryx Blue Wave. Doesn't quite like each roll. Row yeah. I am. It doesn't roll off. Clearly, you don't much. understand. Yeah, ciphers and bars. <laughs> I literally don't. <laughs> um, this last one I want to bring up, and then uh, and then we can uh, get to our get to our conversation is from Jay Z. I don't even have a superlative for this, but I just respect that he name dropped this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "Scott Boris, you over, baby." <laughs> Robinson Cano. You come in with me. Let's go. Is anyone surprised Let's that Jay-Z go. is the rapper to name drop Scott Boris, well, a baseball agent in a song? But you know, well, that's like recruiting though, because Jay-Z owns Rock Nation, which right. actually yes. represents Robinson Cano now. Yeah. Wow. That's next level. That's really good. I'm glad that you ended on that one. All it that, actually is very good. All yes. that this exercise has taught me is that you and I need to start kick our burgeoning rap careers off the ground so that we can name drop Benny Agbayani and Mark Canna in rap songs. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be on someone's Spotify rap for tipping pitches and for rap next year. Honestly, yes. What I, what I want to say is there are no rap songs that name drop Josh Gibson. You know, so... Fix that. I There's a lane here. Okay, let's get to our conversation with Sean Gibson really quickly. As a, as a primer before we get into the conversation with Sean, um, essentially... The MLB MVP, if you're not aware, um, used to be named after the first commissioner of baseball, Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Um, That name has been stripped in the last year, um, and that is because Kennesaw Mountain Landis was a flaming racist, and he kept the Negro League's baseball players um, from joining MLB. And so some former MVPs and Baseball Writers Association of America are discussing who should replace Landis on the MVP trophy. Um, so we're going to get into all of those details and everything um, with Sean. But essentially, Josh Gibson, Negro Leagues baseball legend, all-time home run leader in the Negro Leagues, maybe one of the greatest baseball players, if not the greatest baseball player to ever live, um, is one of those names because he was kept out of Major League Baseball and never given the chance to win MVP. So... Uh, there's a bunch of links in the description for you to read. If you'd like to read them before you hear this conversation, that's great. If you'd like to read them after, that's also fine. Um, and this was all brought to our attention by... This was all brought to our attention. We were introduced to Sean Gibson by our friend and friend of the pod, Shakia Taylor. So, without further ado, let's go to our conversation with Sean, and uh, we know that you'll enjoy this. that Babu This that round This that gotta work in Max shares a perfect game no, they probably say, and they see no correlation. But the bottom of a nine is where a lot of games got the streets talking. All right, Alex, we are very lucky to be joined by Sean Gibson, the executive director of the Josh, Josh Gibson Foundation. Sean, hello. 
Hey guys, how you doing? We're, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. You're here today to talk with us about, you know, a, a myriad of things, but primarily, you know, you've written um, about the idea of the Major League Baseball MVP award, which is much talked about every year around the same time every year. And we, you know, we get excited about who might win it. Um, and then there's sort of an awkward part of the conversation where we talk about what it is officially named. Um, and for listeners who don't know, um, you know, you've written in support of the idea that it should be renamed for your great grandfather, Josh Gibson. So I want to, I want to have you just give a little bit of context and a little bit of background for some of the work that you're doing around this specific idea. Yep. Yep. So great. So yeah, as you mentioned, um, the MVP award did not have a name this year. And so, like you said, for people who may not know, Kennesaw Mountain Landis was the commissioner of Major League Baseball um, between 1920 and 1944. And he was the person who denied African-Americans the opportunity to play baseball, which was my grandfather, Satchel Page, and some other great Negro League legends. And so um, this past summer, I, re- I saw an article by Ben Walker. There were several former MVP players um, taking a movement to remove his name off of the MVP award. It was around the same time as all the Black Lives Matters and a lot of monuments and statues were being removed and things like that. So as I'm reading the article, uh, Terry Pendleton, Barry Larkin, and Mike Smith, just to name a few, were one of the main ones pushing to remove the name off of the MVP award. And as I'm reading the article, um, unbeknownst to myself is that I'm seeing that the three candidates they had was Branch Rickey, Frank Robinson, and Josh Gibson. So I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so I remember sending out an email to my board and my committee. And I said, Hey, we, we just found ourselves in a race. Let's see if we can win it. And so our can, we got a campaign going on and, um, Hashtag Josh, hashtag JG20MVP is our hashtag. We have a website, www.JG20MVP. And so uh, the first step has been taken. You already know that the name has been removed. Um, that happened in October. And so now, um, as you mentioned, I did several articles with uh, Undefeated, uh, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, uh, locally here in Pittsburgh, Jason Mackey, did several podcasts. And just talking to some of the guys who vote through the Baseball Writers Association, um, they think this may happen as soon as this week coming up. Um, baseball winter meetings are taking place right now, uh, December 7th through the 10th, and it may can happen there, or it can happen as maybe as late as All-Star Weekend in July. Um, BBWA meet twice a year, which is winter break, I mean, uh, baseball winter meetings, as well as the Major League Baseball All-Star break. So. Um, so that's why you probably that's why it's been a lot of push right now because we don't know when this may happen, and so you know it, it's been great. You know, it's getting us out there nationally as well. Uh, Josh Gibson's named out there nationally. Just had a nice article about Josh um, uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame Dreams and Memories publications, and so it's bring a lot of attention to Josh Gibson. So we're just excited, and like I said, to be along in this race, and we'll wait to see who finish it. What was that? What was that like for you to see the name, see your great grandfather's name there, not really knowing that he was going to be one of the candidates that was going to be put forward by those former MVP winners? I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, you know, you know how you read something, you got to go back and read it again. Yeah. <laughs> even though you see it, even though you see it in print. Um, but you know, it's an honor because um, 
as you mentioned, you read an article from Undefeated, my article. And if you want to read the article, the listeners can go to www.joshhuffman.org. And, and, you know, the article is based off of redemption, poetic justice. Um, you know, we know Josh didn't play the majors. Um, we're not saying that. Our, our, my take, how I wrote the essay, was based off of uh, here's a guy that denied African-Americans opportunity to play baseball. How ironic would it be for one of those guys he denied replace his name like Josh Gibson? But first and foremost, the way we look at it is it's not it's not just about Josh Gibson. It's about all those guys who were denied that opportunity. Oscar Charleston, who Papa Bell, uh, even though Satchel played later in his life, but Satchel Page, Turkey Stearns, all the great Negro League baseball players. Yes, it would be named after Josh Gibson, but we'll be carrying a legacy of African-American players who were denied between those 20s and 30s and 40s. You, you talk a lot about redemption and poetic justice when kind of making the case for this. Um, in, the, in the articles that you write, you just, you just mentioned it as well. Um, can you talk a little more specifically about what those words, what those terms kind of mean to you personally? And, and maybe what you know, redemption for the broader Negro Leagues uh, might look like? What those words mean to me is um, when you talk about poetic justice, it's just like, I guess, kind of a karma. <laughs> but um, it's it's for me is that, like I said in, in my article, it's more of Kennesaw Landis, what he did to African-Americans to deny them. And, you know, anything that comes back on you is poetic justice. So if it wasn't Josh Gibson, if it was Satchel Page or Oscar Charles and Turkey Stearns, they'll still be the same way. It just so happened that Josh Gibson's in this race. On a broader stand for the Negro Leagues, one, there's no MLB award named after the Negro Leagues. And there's been more talks about Major League Baseball, including Negro League stats into their records, which would be another great opportunity. And so if they're already thinking about that, why not name the award after a Negro League Baseball player? Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, the other candidates are good candidates. Uh, we know Branch Rookie Story. Um, he signed Jackie Robinson. He broke the Calibri for African-American players. Uh, Frank Robinson. Uh, he was the only player to win MVP in American and National League and was the first black manager. But we believe that, you know, guys like Frank Robinson stood on the shoulders of Josh Gibson. Uh, these guys paved the way. Um, you know, if Josh had the opportunity to play in the majors, um, who knows how many MVPs he would have won or if he would have won them in both leagues. So, you know, so when we talk about the whole redemption poetic justice, it's more just like, okay, this happened in 1920s, 1930s. Let's make a change in, 19, in, two, in 2020. Yeah. Alex and I have talked a little bit about, well, around the centennial specifically, I remember us talking a lot about how MLB sort of, for a long time pretended that history didn't happen. And then instead of embracing their role in the history of the Negro Leagues and as the Centennial was rolling around, they just kind of left it to the players and to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and to a lot of other people to tell that history. And then they kind of loosely embraced it. So I'm wondering from your perspective, what one renaming this MVP award would mean for MLB's history with reckoning with how they created the Negro Leagues and then tore it down. Um, and two, just in the larger picture of that history of the merging, the melding of baseball histories together, where we're kind of at along that timeline. 
Well, you hit it. You hit it right there. Um, first of all, it is the hundred anniversary. We're wrapping up on hundred years, even though it was a COVID year. <laughs> but uh, I think the centennial did bring more of attention to the Major League Baseball. Um, I don't, you know, just my personal opinion. If this was not the centennial year, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation about these records. Um, but because of the centennial year, it was so much going on with, like you said, the tip your hat campaign, all the stuff that we're doing. Um, you had the president's doing your tip your hat campaign. You know what I mean? You had a lot of major celebrities doing your tip your hat campaign. That brought a lot of attention. And whenever things bring a lot of attention, Major League Baseball is looking at, okay, maybe we need to do the right thing. Maybe we need to see how we can recognize these players uh, and put them into our stats. And so I believe that because it's a tenial, that's why this is happening, me personally. Um, if you just saw the article from LA Times, I don't know if you saw that article from LA Times, they're talking about it. You know, we talk about Josh Gibson. He would be, if he was to get it, if, they, if Major League Baseball was to include their stats, Josh Gibson would be in the top five in batting average and on-base percentage. Uh, batting average, he'd be second behind Ty Cobb. And on-base percentage, he's fifth behind Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, and a few other guys. And so that there tells you alone, because one thing that, it's a lot of debate about is, of course, is Negro League baseball stats, right? They always talk about, well, they played against semi-pro teams. They didn't play against professionals or they played, um, you know, against Sandlot teams. They always try to um, discredit their stats. And, and everything that they're saying is probably true because of, you know, they didn't have the same luxuries Major League Baseball. You know, they didn't have the, the, the finances. So they played who they had to play. Um, but I don't, but they played at some of their stadiums. I mean, you know, Josh Gibson's credit for hitting the longest ball at Yankee Stadium. Um, so you really, but the other thing I'd like to say too is that when you talk about Major League Baseball, like Josh is always compared to Babe Ruth. We always say Babe Ruth is the white Josh Gibson, right? And so I always tell people, say, okay, who is Josh Gibson compared to? I say Babe Ruth. I said, okay, well, that should tell you something right there. You don't compare somebody to Babe Ruth, they're not good. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. literally. I mean, he's compared to Babe Ruth. So, but I think ultimately, if this was to happen, it'd be great. Um, just in Negroes in general, um, because of it'll bring some kind of recognition to these guys. And uh, and that's what I definitely want to say is that they always go to the museum for their expertise, but they need to go to the families because we have more say than the museum does. I mean, Satchel Page family, we, I communicate with them. Buck Leonard's family, uh, Turkey Stern's family, Leon Day's family. I mean, they, we are the family members. So when, they, when people do these interviews about why we, they should put these stats in, you know, the museum is representing the whole league in general. Talk to the players who's going to be actually in those categories. Talk to those family members. We got to say so as well. Yeah, I want to say, and I know Alex has done a ton of follow-ups on that, all that stuff specifically, but I also want to say really quickly, just for listeners out there who maybe don't know quite as much about the Negro Leagues and stuff, I, all of the players that came through and broke the color barrier initially, most of them were very successful, and it's largely regarded by the people who are oral historians or written historians of the Negro Leagues that these weren't even necessarily the best players, the best baseball players themselves. They were just the people who happened to get the opportunity to come through and break the color barrier. So when it comes to stats, like it's it's not beyond the idea that the best players in the country wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. So if they're playing against Pro-Am or they're playing against, you know, 
semi-pro or whatever it might be, they might be just as good as the major league players who'd slip through the cracks. Aside from all of the fact that they were intentionally kept out by Kennesaw Landis. Well, and what always, um, I think, strikes me in those conversations about stats is it it goes both ways too, right? Like, sure, maybe some of the players in the Negro Leagues, they were playing, you know, they were doing what they had to do. They played against indie ball teams. They played against semi-pro teams. But the white baseball players in Major League Baseball were also not facing some of the best baseball players in the world at the time. So there's a certain level of reckoning, I think, that has to be done both ways. That's a, And, a, you know, it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation when you sit there and say, hey, maybe Babe Ruth isn't the greatest hitter of all time, right? That's a story that's kind of been... Um, spoon-fed to us for for decades at this point right um but i it feels like there just kind of needs to be this rewriting of things that that said there were these two kind of silos and they existed on their on their own planes um are there any i guess stories that have surprise you or stuck with you as you've kind of learned about um, your great-grandfather's legacy um, or maybe just the, the the players that he played with as you've talked with these families? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, we got tons of stories, but I think the most important stories that I talk about is his stories off the field. Because when you read stories about Josh Gibson, you talk about, you hear more about his baseball greatness. Yeah, we all know he was a great player. We know he had home runs. He was a great catcher. You know, he did this, he did that. But I mean, some of the stories, like as far as you guys may or may not know, but, you know, he was a single parent. You know, his wife died in labor, giving birth to their twins. You know, so here you are trying to raise two kids uh, in a time where we're segregation. And he's trying to play baseball and uh, trying to make a living. And so his his wife's uh, sisters, uh, Becky and Octavia, raised the twins. The twins are a boy-girl twin, and they were named after the parents. So my grandfather's, my grandmother was, her name was Helen. And her daughter was named after her. And of course, Josh, my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr., was named after him. But the other thing is, is that um, he was a great athlete. He just didn't play baseball. I mean, he was a great swimmer and he ran track. Uh, he was a hell of an athlete for uh, at that time. And so, you know, uh, getting back to his career, uh, when he played overseas, um, my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr., used to tell me that his father didn't want to even come back to the States. He wanted to stay over in Latin countries and play there because one, he was making great money. Um, not to say he was making great money in Negro Leagues, but he and I deal with the racism. They loved him over there. Um, everybody had the same skin complexion and he didn't have to deal with that. But Cumberland Posey, at that time, he's with the Homestead Grays. That <laughs> was one file lawsuit against him. He didn't come back. So that's the reason why he came back. So when you talk about the stories of Josh Gibson, um, the main thing is, is that he was a family man. He loved his family and uh, he took care of his kids. And my grandfather used to always say that he was blessed that um, he was able to be a bad boy. So he was, my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr., he was a bad boy from like, when he was like 13. His father died when he was 15 years old, about to be 16. So he was a bad boy for like two years. And he has some great stories and he has some horrible stories as far as when he used to travel with his father down south and how he had to deal with the racism at a young kid. As a young kid at that age, you know, he tells me all the time, he remember, you know, couldn't go to hotels, which we all knew, but they would go and stay in uh, family homes. The, the, the community would open the doors for them. And, um, but, you know, trials and tribulations, that's what we go through. And, um, you know, my grandfather, Junior, 
he ended up playing for the Negro Leagues in 49 and 50 with the last year with the Homestead Grays, and he played in Canada for a while. So uh, but those are some of the stories that's off the field about Josh Gibson. Yeah, I, I you know, kind of wrapping it back to the MVP re, renaming conversation and the trophy itself. You, know, you said when you were kind of making your initial pitch, um, you know, you think that it's very, it's likely or it's possible that he might have won some MVPs. I think you're being a little humble. I think it's very likely he would have at least won one and would have definitely won a couple uh, at the time. So um, I guess if there are any other things that you think that we've missed or any other pieces of the conversation or the argument about why it should be renamed or, you know, also about the 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 foundation itself um, that listeners mm-hmm. should know. Um, what are those things, Sean? Yeah, well, I'll get to the MVP, then we'll wrap up the foundation. The one thing I want to say about the MVP is that because you get a lot of people's opinion, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But what people got to understand is that if your listeners don't take my conversation, go read the article. It kind of, the article explains to you our case, okay? Because I get so many people that will say, oh, um, he didn't play in the majors. I said, you didn't read the article, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's not about that, but but just understand our point of view. Um, again, for Josh to be in this race, somebody put him in. We didn't put him in a race. Somebody put him in a race. All we're doing is trying to win the race. And so for BBWA to put him in the race, there must be some conversation, positive yeah. conversation about Josh Gibson. Okay. Second is, is that when you look at the Nicolese career, yes, maybe they play half the games than the Major League Baseball players. But as you said, Alex, how can we tell if, first of all, the one thing I always argue is, how do we know their stats were right? <laughs> Number one. Exactly. It was, yeah, exactly. everything, every, yeah. everything was in pencil back then, right? We didn't have computers. <laughs> so how do we know their stats are right? Number one. Number two, like you said, yeah, there was great players, but there was not a lot of great teams. So how do you know? I will put the 1935-36 Homestead, I mean, Pittsburgh Crawfords against any team. They had five Hall of Famers on that team. Judy Johnson, Oscar Charleston, Satchel Page, Josh Gibson. And um, um, I've got the other one. But anyway, they had five Hall of Famers on that team. That's the one of the best teams. 1937, the 1945 Homestead Grays won nine pennants in a row. So you're talking about teams that were dominant that I would put up any time against a major league baseball team in that era. So what I'll say about this, um, I don't know if it's Alex or you, Bob, but what do you guys mention about the MVP? Once the color barrier was broken, I want to say like the first 10 or 15 African-American players were MVP winners once they got into the league. So that tells you right there, once 1947 broke over, I think, no, I think 10 of the first 15 were like African-American players. They get MVPs. That speaks volumes. The other thing is there's, there's several quotes. If you follow my social media page, we do these different quotes, right? We got a quote by Walter Johnson, Hall of Famer, MVP. Talks about any big club, any big league club will love this guy for 200000 He throws like a rifle, you know, the whole thing, right? Too bad this Gibson guy's a color guy. So we've been doing for our MVP campaign, we've been using these quotes from white players who played in the air that speaks volumes about Josh Gibson because these players played, not played with them, but saw him play and heard about Josh Gibson. One other thing, Ted Williams, 
you heard his speech, he mentions in his speech, he hopes that one day Josh Gibson, Satchel Page gets into the Hall of Fame. Come on, man. Ted Williams will have to say that. For Ted Williams to say that, what I'm trying to, my point is to the listeners is that you have great white baseball players talking about these guys who never, who didn't have a chance to play with them, but who played against them, maybe in a barnstorming. And my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr., always said that if he believes that Ted Williams doesn't mention Josh and Satch in his speech in 1966, he don't think Satch gets in in 71. He, it may take years down the road. But then I started reading about Ted Williams' history. I did not know his mother was Mexican. And he hid those roots from MLB because he went, he went because of being discriminated against. So once I found that out, I said, okay, maybe now I see why he pushed for the Negro League baseball players. You talk about um, Monty Irvin, another Hall of Famer, where he talks about he played against, he played with, I mean, um, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. He said, there's no Josh Gibson. I mean, when you have a player who says that, yeah, that speaks volumes. So um, as far as the MVP, you know, you go to, like I said, we have a, we have our, we have a uh, website that focuses on the MVP. It's, it's, it's a, it's a JG20MVP.com. Uh, it's a lot of great things on there. Our hashtag is JG20MVP. And um, like I said, this can happen as soon as the next couple of days or uh, in July. So we're excited about it, though. But it's just, just I just want people to understand that, um, you know, just 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 look at the bigger picture. Um, just don't focus on uh, he didn't play in the majors or he, he didn't have the stats or he didn't have this. And he has the stats. I mean, of course, his home runs. Once you do this steam heads, it doesn't compare to what he's what it has on his Hall of Fame um, plaque. But. You know, like I said, if Josh Gibson compared to Babe Ruth, you know, even though we say Babe Ruth compared to Josh, but that speaks volumes right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I think such a such a big factor in kind of the exclusion, obviously, of these narratives is who has um, been allowed to tell the stories of baseball, right? And there are these kind of two parallel narratives about the game, and one often kind of gets swept under the rug, obviously. Regardless of what happens with the the naming of the MVP award, where do you think we kind of go from here in in telling these stories? Because there is so much rich history, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it feels like the kind of thing where you can't you can't just say, okay, chapter one, here's here's where we begin, because it's so tied with like American history too. Yeah, um, well. Once we get the MVP, let's let's think pod. Once we get right, it, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I actually wanted to say, I actually wanted to follow up though. It's not regardless of the MVP though, because things like this are how we actually reckon with the two histories of baseball and bring them together. Like if Josh Gibson's name is on the Major League Baseball MVP trophy, then every kid who learns about who wins the MVP has to then mm-hmm. learn about the history of the name on the trophy. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it actually it actually matters, and it's actually a way mm-hmm. in to start telling those stories. And you're exactly right. But Alex, get back to your question is that, you know, if it didn't happen, I mean, I think the, the, the goal is, is for us is that like, for you, like you guys, you know, you guys are interviewing me. We need people like you guys to tell the story. You have a podcast, you have a platform to interview people like myself and other people, these historians. You guys would be the ones that will help us leave this legacy. For one of the things that I do is, like I said, through my foundation, uh, we're located here in Pittsburgh. 
We have over 300 kids in our program. They all know about the Negro Leagues. They all know about Josh Gibson. Um, we educate them on that. You know, so there's, right now we're doing a webinar series called Negro League Matters, uh, the case for Josh Gibson MVP award. Uh, we, we, we're doing with Sabre. So we've done uh, Cleveland chapter, Baltimore chapter, uh, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg. We got uh, December 21st is Josh Gibson's birthday. So we have a special presentation webinar for his birthday. And then December 22nd, we're doing New Jersey. So we're getting out there to the uh, quote unquote baseball geeks, the Sabre guys. <laughs> um, and we're just out there, man. We're just pushing it. And whether this goes our way or not, the one thing I will say is that uh, I do not believe it should be blank. That's that's one thing. They were thinking about when the options were blank. I don't because I think leaving it blank still has the Kennesaw Landis is tied to it. You know, that's my opinion. Uh, it definitely should be a name on it. Um, also, I worry that MLB will use that as an opportunity in 20 years to sell the rights to like Hyundai or something, the Hyundai MVP <laughs> trophy. And then, no, no shade to Hyundai, but like if, if yeah. we know anything about MLB's history, it's that they're going to sell a sponsorship yeah. for something. It yeah. feels like a very like, I, I don't see color uh, move, you know, it's like we mm-hmm. won't name it after after anyone. <laughs> right, right. But getting back to your point, Bob, is that like you said, is that it, if when it's become the Josh Gibson Award, every person receive this award will understand not just Josh, but the history of the Negro Leagues. And I think the most important piece of it is, is the way I look at it with Josh, when he, when Josh, when Josh gets this award, right, he replaces it. It also would tell the story of Kennesaw Mountain Landis as well. You know what I mean? Why? Because people say, well, why is it named after Josh Gibson? He didn't play in the majors. Okay, this is why it's named after Josh Gibson, because back, this guy was named at first. This guy denied Josh Gibson the opportunity to play. So it all ties in. That's why when you said about the poetic justice, it's also educating the uh, the public and the, and, and, and the recipients. If When it's named after Josh Gibson, say, well, why is it named after Josh Gibson? You go back to the history of Kennesaw Mountain Land. This is how everything took place for Josh's name to be on the MVP award. Yeah, and it's also, you know, it's incumbent upon the recipients and the public to also learn about a story that isn't just Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Because most of the baseball watching public, you know, however old they are, the extent of their knowledge about the Negro Leagues is that Jackie Robinson came over and broke the color barrier and then everything was hunky-dory after that. And that's just not the case but MLB is fine with that because they don't have have to actually reckon with their active role in how that happens. So I I I love this idea. I you know I hope that it happens for you for baseball um, for Josh's legacy. Sean, thank you so much for joining us here. Um, plug everything last one more time so that the listeners have it. We'll also link to everything in the description. Great. Yeah. So our website is www.joshkitchen.org. That's our foundation website. Our MVP website is jg20mvp.com. You can also follow us on social media, um, Instagram, and um, Facebook is just Josh Gibson Foundation. And our Twitter is Josh Gibson underscore 1911. Um, yeah, please, you know, like I said, this can happen as soon as next couple of days. And if it does happen in our direction, I'll be back on your show to celebrate. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you so open. much, Sean. Thank you, guys. The baby just 19. I know I dream all black. I seen that everything immortalizing tweets, all caps. They said they found her dead. One girl missing, another one girl missing. Alex, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm still uh I'm still clicking through this rap list. Obviously, thank you to Sean. That was a great conversation. <laughs> and you and I, 
I think I can speak for you when I say that Tipping Pitches co-signs renaming this award to the Josh Gibson MVP award for a lot of reasons. But I think for me, primarily the idea that every time you talk about MVP every year, every time a kid learns about what the MVP is and who can win it, the name Josh Gibson is invoked and the idea of the Negro League's history that's been erased has to be um, has to be uncovered anew. And MLB can then reckon with that. We're really becoming a, an endorsements pod. You know, yeah. we were throwing our weight behind this. Last week, we had Colin McHugh uh, come on and, you know, tell people to, to go vote for, donate to Raphael Warnock, John Ossoff. Um, we endorsed Jessica Rain earlier in the year. So, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're really building up our political power. Are we a political action committee? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Check the FEC filings. Uh, no, I, I'm i excited to see the resolution of this. I, I'm fingers crossed for Josh Gibson um, and, and for Sean and the rest of the foundation. Um, I want to read you one more one more rap lyric before we get out of here. I'm going to turn the clock back to early in the podcast, late 2017, the all asshole team. When I brought to, <laughs> I brought to your attention that Ryan Braun, not only did Ryan Braun cheat, but then he bullied and got the person who tested him for steroids fired. So therefore he should be put on the all asshole team. This line comes from Mike Studd in the song Thrift Shop. Parentheses acoustic freestyle. <laughs> Acoustic freestyle. Is it not in the regular one? I'm confused. Uh, I freestyle. I ain't lying, boy. I don't cheat. Homie, I ain't Ryan Braun. Killing a mic, showing the world what I know. I freestyle, I ain't lying, boy. I don't cheat, homie, I ain't Ryan Braun. I'm gonna pop some tags. Yeah. More Ryan Braun slander in music. Get him out of here. Ryan Braun, goodbye. Only one Ryan Braun cheating reference? Come on, rap community. This is the way to to bring about, I think, justice in baseball, you know, is just to absolutely annihilate the, the players who have uh, brought disappointment to the game in, in rap songs. Or, 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 or annihilate the owners. Oh, facts. No any, name. Any... No name. Start talking about <laughs> pulling the owners she, out of baseball. She would. Let's go. No Name yeah. drops the line about guillotining owners. Okay. <laughs> That's all for this week. Unless you have something that you want to leave the people with, Alex. I got nothing else. If you uh, if you like this pod, give us, uh, give us a rating. Drop us a review. Positive or negative, we'll, uh, you know, we read them all. Um, if you got any questions for us, you got anything you need us to know about, our DMs are open. So is our email, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. And uh, and I implore you all to to listen to the song "The Way I Swing" in its fullest because Ken Griffey Jr.'s got he's got flow. Play us out. Two for the bass and one for the trouble. Griffey's gonna take the party to another level. When I swing, I bring bass like an earthquake. I either make the home run or make the house shake. Writing the kind of rhymes that you just can't get with. My homie hit making the beat smoky as an armpit. Take the beat and get dope, but not crack. I mean, a kind of dope that's far from whack. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!
I had a dream that Mark Canna did steroids. <laughs> Just to kill some time while that alarm is still going off. <laughs> the Mark Canna renaissance of 2020 <laughs> was because of steroids. <laughs> you know, I I would believe it. 